0: If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark. The book of Mark, chapter 4. We will again be reading the beginning of that chapter. This time we will be focusing on verses 1 to 20. If you're a guest with us or back with us for the first time in a while, we are working our way verse by verse through the book of Mark. We are in chapter 4 today. We are watching Jesus on the move as our king, thinking about what it means to belong to his kingdom. And we are now arriving into a rare section in the book of Mark where we actually hear Jesus teach. And he uses some stories that have become familiar to us to teach us things that are not familiar to us and to show us what living in the kingdom looks like. And behind all of these stories, Mark is trying to answer the question, if Jesus is the king, why do more people not follow him? And we started to look at that last week in the big picture, and we're going to zoom in this week as we look at Jesus' story about the four soils. With all that in mind, let's read verses 1 to 20. This is the word of the Lord. And he, that is Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that... Sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns, they are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Almost exactly one year ago, I got a phone call that I did not expect, that I did not anticipate. I had some blood work done for a totally different reason, and things came out fine on that end. But I got a phone call from my doctor's assistant telling me that I had to get on a new medication because my cholesterol was at a dangerous level. I thought I was in good shape. I exercised regularly. I thought I was just fine. But the phone call told me a different story. It's because when I was thinking about myself and my health, I was just looking at the surface. Jesus uses this parable to tell us that the church can do the same exact thing when it comes to salvation and what it means to belong to the kingdom. Remember, the question that Mark is trying to help us answer is, why don't more people follow Jesus? And last time, we saw that rejection is part of the plan, and part of the story of the gospel is the cross. In order for Jesus to get there, there has to be some people who say no. That's part of the story. But the second reason that so many people do not follow Jesus is because of the same thing that was happening with me and how I perceived my own health. Mark is showing us this following Jesus goes beyond the surface. It's not just about how things look, it's not just about what you assume about yourself, it goes deeper than that and Jesus uses this parable to show us all the kinds of people who hear the gospel brothers and sisters he's showing us every person in this room and he does it by showing us four soils in each soil Mark tells us how they hear the word and how they respond to it and as we read and study these four soils, I'm going to be asking us some very serious questions, but we cannot take the shallow approach. We have to look beyond the surface. So may God give us eyes to see and ears to hear beyond the surface today. But there's four types of people. The first are the callous. You see this group in verse 4 and verse 15. We're going to have to jump a little bit. If you were here last week, remember, Mark's made a sandwich for us. In each section, there's a verse in the top bun and there's a verse in the bottom bun. So you're going to have to hop with me. All right? If you don't have your Bible with you, let me encourage you to bring it next time. Let's look at verse 4 and verse 15. Mark says, And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And then if you jump to verse 15, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Some seed never makes it into the ground. And when the gospel is proclaimed, for some people, the message never penetrates the ear and makes it down into the heart. Jesus is telling us today And every day that the gospel is proclaimed, there are some people where the gospel never makes it down beyond the surface. You may sit here and hear it over and over and over again, but it never gets down inside. Rodney Cooper tells us these are the people who never even think to question their own response to the gospel. They never even consider that what is being said might be for them from God. That's not even a possibility. The disconnect is immediate. Oppressed by the enemy, they instantly reject the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4.4, Paul says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, you can't blame the devil for this. You might think that because they are oppressed by the enemy, that Satan comes and and takes the word that you could put all the blame on them. But the Bible holds the blind responsible for being blind. The Bible holds us responsible for our response to the gospel. That's why in Romans 2.5, Paul says, But because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. The scribes and the Pharisees that we watch constantly fight Jesus over and over again are an example of this kind of hard soil. What happens to them? What happens to the hard-hearted in the church who hear the gospel over and over again and never think about how it applies to them? The Bible teaches us that those hearts only get harder and their sin only gets worse. It never gets better. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, Paul says, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, watch, because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. It's like when the floodgates open, it just goes downhill fast. Brothers and sisters, when the gospel is proclaimed, how sensitive are you to hear it and apply it to your own life? Do you apply it to everyone around you? Or do you hear it as a divine conversation from the Lord Jesus about you? And how you should receive it. Is your heart soft enough. For the word to do its work. The worst place to be. Is in this room. And to brush all these questions away. And assume they're for somebody else. It would be better for you to not be here this morning. Than to be in the pew. And be thinking that. To be callous. That's why the book of Hebrews. Says in chapter 3 verse 12 13. Take Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, every day, as long as it is called the day, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Take care, church family. But there's a second soil, there's a second type of person in this parable. There are the shallow. We see this group in verses 5 to 6 and 16 and 17. So let's look at those two sections of verses first in verse 5 and 6. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. And then in verse 16 and 17, Jesus explains, These are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Some seed seems to get off to a great start. It's the first plants to sprout up in the springtime. But by the time harvest comes, these same plants are the disappointment. And the reason is whatever things look like above ground, beyond the surface, deeper, there's no root. There's nothing there. And Jesus is saying when the gospel is proclaimed, some of us will be extremely excited We'll have fascinating conversion experiences that we want to share with other people. We'll pledge our allegiance to Jesus, but below the surface, deep down, for real, there's no root, and this group's enthusiasm is short-lived. Their response is shallow. Mark Strauss tells us this is a superficial faith based on emotionalism. They receive it with joy. But what changes? What changes for this group? What happens to them? If you look in verses 16 and 17, you'll see their circumstances change. Verse 17 says, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. It's when trouble comes. Fear makes them wither. Have we not watched this before our very eyes? When emotions and circumstances, friends, listen, when emotions and circumstances are what bring you into Jesus, your emotions and your circumstances will take you away from Jesus. Your emotions and your circumstances are not solid enough ground to stand upon. It's easy to blossom when the weather is perfect, but what happens when the sun beats down on you? And hear me, the sun will beat down on you. Acts 14:22, we are told through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Friends, maybe once upon a time you walked an Nile, high with emotion ready to receive Jesus and have everybody hug you and clap and affirm you. But in the days ahead for the people of the living God emotional faith Will not stand. Shallow faith will be uprooted. Hebrews 10.36 says. For you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God. You may receive what is promised. Please brothers and sisters. When you hear the word. Let it take root. And ask the Lord. Pray. That he would let it grow deeper. And deeper in conviction. Brothers and sisters, that's what you're going to need. There's a third group. Beyond the callous and the shallow, Jesus tells us that every time the gospel is proclaimed, there are the worldly. We see this group in verse 7 and verse 18 and 19. Let's look at this these two sections together. Verse 7 says, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Then in verse 18 and 19, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. There's some seed that starts with promise, seems to grow, but it has to compete with other plants for the sunshine and the rain. And the thorn bushes overtake everything. In the same way, Jesus says, when the gospel is proclaimed, some try to embrace it without removing the weeds. And in the context of the book of Mark, brothers and sisters, these are... Those who are willing to believe the gospel but refuse to repent. Who only want to take one side of Jesus' call. Well, what gets in the way of total commitment here? Verse 19. Jesus says it's the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. The threat to real life, is a divided loyalty. It's compromise. Friends, when this is our heart, when we, when we receive the world in a worldly manner, we want it both ways. We want Jesus and. We want Jesus and riches. Jesus and the other things. We want eternal life later, and we want real fun life now. We want both. Matthew 6, 24, though, Jesus says no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That's not what we want to think. And that's why Jesus warns us of the deceitfulness of riches. They, the desires that we have promise us everything. And then they deliver nothing. That's why you always want more when you get it. One songwriter once wrote, gold and silver blind the eye, temporary riches lie. And when we receive the word this way, it suffocates the word. It chokes the word. And what Jesus is showing us is, look, there's only enough oxygen in the room for one thing to breathe. It's either going to be the word or it's going to be the world. In your room, which one's getting the oxygen? 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let me ask you, friend. What other things are threatening life with Christ? What other things in your life threaten to suffocate the word? Brothers and sisters, choke them out before they choke you. When the worldly receive the word, it becomes obvious. This doesn't hide. Jesus says that it proves unfruitful. You hear that? It proves unfruitful. What he's saying is the the lack of life becomes evident. It shows up. Which sets up An amazing contrast with the last group. And before we look at it, just allow me to point out the first three groups are not genuine disciples of Christ. The last group is the only group that belongs to Christ. And this last group is the fruitful. You see this group in verse 8 and verse 20. Jesus says in verse 8, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Then in verse 20, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Friends, when the gospel is proclaimed, some will repent and believe. That's a promise. That's an encouragement for anyone who shares the gospel. There will be some. It's a promise from God. That's why in John 10, 26, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And as we've read this parable, what you should see is every group hears the word, but this group is the only group Jesus says accepts it. Hearing it is not enough. Only the fruitful accept the word. And you may be thinking, Pastor, talking to the wrong room. We all accept the word. That's why we're here. If we didn't accept... What the word says, we'd be asleep right now. It's daylight savings time Sunday. Come on. Of course we accept the word. Well, before I move forward, is Jesus wrong? Because Jesus is telling this story to show us that every time the gospel is proclaimed, many don't accept the word. In fact, three out of the four don't accept the word. So you're going to tell me that this is the one room that's an exception to Jesus' story. We just have managed to produce the field that is 100% good soil. I'm going to go with Jesus on this one. Here's, here's another thing. We know that accepting it means more than acknowledging it's true. We might 100% acknowledge that what God says is right, but here, those who accept it bear fruit because there's a visible sign when the word makes an impact. The ones sown in good soil accept it and bear fruit. It's varied, but it's consistent. Some good soil produces 30-fold. Some good soil produces 60-fold. Some good soil produces 100-fold. But Jesus tells us that there is no such thing as good soil that produces zero-fold. You cannot be good soil if you have no fruit. Warren Weersby tells us that a changed life is the evidence of true salvation. Jesus says it this way, John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So friends, the question for us is not how many of us accept what Jesus says is true the question is how many of us show true evidence with a changed life that the Holy Spirit is producing fruit in our lives? It's a different question. And this text brings several questions to the table, and I'm not going to be able to get through them. I'm just going to pin them, just let you be exposed to them, try to think through them quickly together, and let you marinate on these questions. Because, brothers and sisters, as familiar as this story is, the way we do life and the way we do church and the way we've developed this whole American Christian thing shows that we don't even pay attention to this parable. It is like nonsense to us. When we take a look at these four soils, the callous, the shallow, the worldly, the fruitful, And I want to ask you three questions. Number one, which one are you? Which soil are you? Now before you just say, oh, I'm good soil. Let the word do its work. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul says, examine yourself. Examine. Think about it. To see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Allow me to sow the seed one more time. Brothers and sisters, even though we rebelled against our king, even though we broke his laws and sinned against him, God the Father sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live on this earth, to live a perfect life of obedience, to obey every command that we broke, And then to be punished in our place. To go to the cross and take the punishment for our sin that you and I deserved. And God approved of his work. So three days later, he rose his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. So that everyone who repents and turns from their own life and trusting in themselves and believing in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for them in their place would be saved. But the problem, friends, goes beyond the surface. The problem is is our sin, and the cross is the answer. Shows that Jesus went beyond the surface to deal with our problem. He didn't just die in our place and rise again and leave us on our own, though. He promises to give the Holy Spirit to everyone who accepts his word. So that the Holy Spirit now lives inside of every child of God and does the work of producing fruit. That's how Jesus can say with confidence that every good soil, every seed in good soil produces fruit. Because Jesus gives every seed in good soil, the Holy Spirit, to produce in us what we never could. That's why Paul tells us of those who belong to Christ Jesus In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Friend, have you ever come to that point with your king where you realized that you could not earn heaven on your own, that you had sinned against the Lord God, and that the only way for you to be right with him would be to put your trust in his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did in his life and his death and resurrection. Have you come to that point where you have heard the word and accepted it, and accepted it to the point that the Holy Spirit produced a new life in you? Can you point to that fruit, to that new life, of which you could never take credit? Friends, if you can't point to that kind of change, that kind of new life, you need to receive the word today. And accept what God says about your heart today. And put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And be saved. And he will do a work in you. He will do things in you that you could never expect or imagine. But friends, watch, look at this parable and listen to what it says. Welcome the word immediately. Don't harden your heart today and say you're going to wait for tomorrow. The enemy will snatch your opportunity away and you may never get another one. Welcome the word deeply. Don't just acknowledge that what I'm saying is true. Embrace it with your whole life. Deep down. Where it's allowed to change everything. Put your hope in Christ in such a way that when trouble comes, you will not be rattled. Welcome the word exclusively. Don't try to hold on to Jesus with one hand and the other things with the other. That will choke the life out of you. Welcome Christ Jesus alone. Brothers and sisters, if you tell me I'm good soil, based on the authority of the word of God, let me say this to you. Prove it. Good soil becomes evident. Good soil produces fruit. You good soil? Show me some fruit. Show some change. Show some Holy Spirit activity in your life. Prove the work of God that he's done in you. The second question I want us to ask is a discipleship question. For those of us who are in the church, who belong to the church, let me ask, and this is really helpful for parents, for grandparents, older parents, but for everyone in the church, let me ask you this. You got to think about this one. There's four types of people, four types of soil. What kind of soil is the church really after? What do we strive for? What do we settle for? What are we good with? If you honestly look at the church, we're good with any one of them except the first. Grant Osborne writes it this way, we live in a time where shallow commitment has all too often been regarded as normal Christian life. You just take things lightly, you're the normal Christian. If you take things a little too serious, you're just like this hyper-fundamentalist, crazy Christian. I go to church on Sunday, but I'm I'm still kind of normal. I'm not too weird, right? Right? This is the mentality that we have. It's common for churches, for leadership, to to press into that, and so we avoid going too deep. We don't let our studies get too deep into the Word. We keep things practical and just offer tips on successful life, and we want to be easy to understand. And the most important thing that you can come away with on church is how you feel that morning. How many of us leave and and judge what happened at church based on how we felt, what we experienced when the song hit its crescendo, how we didn't like what the pastor said and rubbed me the wrong way, how many people smiled at me or didn't. And when we talk about salvation in our stories, when we talk about our kids' stories, when we talk about our friends' stories, The most important thing is what did you experience when you gave your life to Jesus? Even if you've fallen away during hard times, even if you're caught up in the world's temptations later, no matter what you're doing these days, when you were eight, how did you feel when you walked the aisle and prayed the prayer? As long as you truly felt the Spirit then, you're good to go. How many times have you been tempted to go that route? To just bank on grace as much as you can, despite the evidence that things have proven unfruitful, that life has choked. Brothers and sisters, We should be careful that we don't use once saved, always saved as a cover-up for those who've never been saved. Good soil produces fruit. So as a church, we don't manipulate things here to strive for hyper-emotional experiences and conversions because those will prove to be shallow later. And we don't avoid holding each other accountable in our relationships because we're confident that the Holy Spirit in us will produce some fruit out of these difficult conversations. And so as a church, and listen, as parents, as you're thinking about raising your kids to follow Christ, and and I understand how difficult the conversations are and assessing where your child's faith is, Listen, the church hasn't done you any favors. What you should be looking for is not feelings, it's not whimsical understanding about Jesus and the cross. What you should watch for is when that understanding translates into real life verifiable fruit. And you see the Holy Spirit do something in your kid that you know your kid can't take credit for. And you see that kind of change and evidence. And that's when you, you, can, you can speak with some confidence on what the Lord's done in your kid's life. In the church, honestly, we should be doing the same thing. Looking and expecting for the Holy Spirit to produce fruit. But there's one more question I want us to ask and that's for those of us who belong to Jesus and go about trying to be faithful to the mission and share the gospel. Here's the last question. Four types of people. What do you expect when you sow the seed? What kind of reaction do you expect when you go out and share the gospel? Do you expect everyone to just Thank you, brother. You gave me exactly what I needed today. I appreciate you. Do you expect everyone to just love it? When missionary Adoniram Judson went to Burma to share the gospel with people who've never heard of Christ, do you know how long it took for one person to be good soil? Seven years. Seven years of sowing the seed Tilling the soil, and for seven years, rejection, 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 callous, shallow, and worldly. And only seven years later was there one person in good soil. Let me encourage you: if you're if you're doing the work of an evangelist and sharing the gospel, when you proclaim the word, it will not fail, but it might not keep your timeline. It might not keep your expectations. Some are going to be hardened and reject it right away. Some are going to be shallow and leave when trouble comes. Some are going to love the world and the life will be choked out of them, but there will be some good soil. It's a promise. Brothers and sisters, if you're out there doing the work in the field and you don't see the results you want to get right away, don't give up. The sun may get hot, the thorns may prick your side, but the work is worth it, and the word will do its job. Proclaim the gospel, share the gospel, and pray to the Lord of harvest to do the work and to do the work beyond the surface, to go where you cannot go to penetrate the ear and sink down in that person's heart and soul. The word will not fail. Brothers and sisters, may we look beyond the surface. Let's pray.